awaited saviour of humanity, Imam al-Mahdi alayhi salam, my respected teachers, elders, brothers and sisters, salamu alaykum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Usikum bit taqwa Allah wal wara'a fi deenikum. I call myself and all of you towards God consciousness and piety in your religion. Two very famous traditions that are well known by Muslims across the world and that are particularly important to the lovers of Ahlul Bayt The first one comes to us from the hadith of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Rasulullah Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wasallam. And that hadith is as follows, Salman Minna Ahlul Bayt. Salman is from us, Ahlul Bayt Second hadith which comes to us from the sixth Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq Salawatullahu salamuhu Where he says about another companion of his at the time Inna zurarata min awtadil ard wa a'lamid-deen Surely the companion zurara is from the awtad of the world and the a'lam of the deen This means that he was, or maybe we can translate the otad of the earth as being like the tent pegs of the earth. What does a tent peg do? A tent peg holds down the tent such that whatever winds are blown, whatever adverse weather is placed against the tent, the tent is held firmly down. Imam salam says about Zurara, Surely Zurara is from the Otad of the world. He is like the tent pegs of the world. And he is from A'lam ud-Din. He is from the A'lam, the, the great A'lam, the great pillars of the Deen. Such that without the Deen, what would happen if you didn't have pillars here? If you did not have strong pillars to hold up, what would happen? The entire building would collapse in. Now just think about these two statements. We know Ahlul Bayt alayhimussalam They only speak of their they do not speak of their own whim, but it is nothing but an inspiration to them. Their tongue is perfect. So if we have reached such statements, Salman is from us Ahlul Bayt. Zurara is such that he is the tent peg of the world that stops the world from being blown away and that he is from alam of the deen of the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this tells us about the supremacy the, um, the, 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 the value the potential of such human beings that have been given these particular designations within their characteristics Alhamdulillah, we have been blessed with the opportunity to serve you for the next two years, insha'Allah, and maybe longer. Now, in terms of the methodology or how we wish to be able to conduct the discussions or the way in which we would like the themes of the discussions to go forward, it should be that there is a certain starting point, there are certain assumptions or ways in which that we want to discuss our ideas together, be it from the Jum'ah khutbah or in pulpit or in wider discussion circles, the Baraza settings, whatever it may be. There has to be a methodology, an underlying way 
that a speaker or a thinker or a researcher wants to be able to present his or her own material. So that question needs to be raised to me and therefore I wish to be able to put forward to you from now in advance the way in which we wish to be able to present our discussions or the underlying assumptions that will govern the way in which our muhadarat, our lectures, our discussions will go forward. And these are of course of two places. Now every speaker, every talib al-ilm, every alim will say the same too. But we want to emphasize where these two are coming from and start it from this afternoon insha'Allah. We want to start everything of course from the Holy Quran. We want the Quran to be the bedrock and the foundation of our methodology. The words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which are eternal and creative of such depth. But the second is very specific and that is going back into the Quran and looking at two things the personality of the holy prophet of islam and the mission and methodology of the holy prophet of islam rasulullah muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam so we have here two things the starting point of our discussions will always be the quran and the prophet and in regards to the prophet two things what was his personality like, his characteristics? And secondly, what was his mission like? How did he articulate, enact that mission when it was prior to his announcement of Islam, in his period of Mecca and in his period of Medina? In light of that, I wish to be able to present, for example, this afternoon and inshallah next uh, Friday as well, just to show you a flavor of how those speeches, how this methodology in our tenure together may be undertaken, so that we always have something to go back to. So for this week and next week's khutbah inshallah, we are just going to focus on certain verses that speak about the personality of the Holy Prophet of Islam. So we can see the way in which he engaged with people. We can see the way in which he, from his outset, from his mindset, looked at the world in order to ensure that you and I are always being modeled around the Holy Prophet of Islam. To ensure that we know how the Prophet acted so that we have someone as that example to be able to go back to. And the prime source of that will always be the Holy Qur'an and to marry those two together insha'Allah. So, the first verse I wish to be able to present to you this afternoon comes to us from chapter number 18 of the Holy Qur'an, Surah Al-Kahf, verse number 6. So this week and next week it's just going to look at the personality of the Prophet as a means, as a window into the methodology of how we wish to be able to speak over these coming two years, insha'Allah. Chapter number 18, verse number 6. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the following. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. فَلَعَلَّكَ بَاخِئٌ نَفْسَكَ عَلَىٰ آثَارِهِمْ إِنْ لَمْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ أَسَفَةً Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals a verse about the Holy Prophet of Islam, Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says a phenomenal statement about the Prophet. And I want you to imagine 
that either you, not in the literal sense that you are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you are revealing such a verse about someone. Some of you here are parents. Some of you may be uncles and aunties. Think about someone that you are speaking about that's so close to you and imagine the relationship between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet. And then also think about it as the Prophet who receives this verse and the way in which his nurturer, his Lord, is speaking about him. The verse says, O Rasulullah, you would almost die out of grief because of how much you want these people to be guided by your speech. Imagine if you were a parent and you had to say this about your own son or your own daughter or your own grandchild or your own nephew or niece. What would a parent have to see from the practice and the softness of the soul of their child in order to be able to say such a thing about their own child. I see how hard you are working to bring these people, these pagan Arabs to Islam and the way in which they reject you, that they will throw feces on you, that they will throw sheep's intestines on you, that they will label you every crooked name under the sun. And as a result, O oh my son, of seeing what you have gone through and how soft your heart is, it impacts your soul so much, it is as if that you would almost die out of grief. You would be overcome by grief because of how much you love these people, how much you want them to be guided. Can you imagine what that human being was like? How soft-hearted, how graceful, how broad-chested he was with whomever he sat with in order to be able to sit with these people. And we're not talking about ordinary individuals whom the Prophet had to sit with. We're talking about people like Abu Jahl, who is not just called Abu Jahl because that's a title, but that's because he personified all elements of ignorance in whatever a human being could be. And then we think about our need today. The urgent need for every one of us to become the prophet. To become prophet-like. To have those characteristics. That ethic. That vision. That care of the sense of the responsibility of the entirety of the ummah and mankind on each and every one of our shoulders. Now having thought about this, now the Prophet himself has had this verse revealed upon him. You can imagine he's received this verse and now he's looking up at his Lord and imagine the relationship between a son or a daughter looking up at their mother or father having just been told that. Flip the coin. The Lord has just recognized this in his servant. Or the father has recognized this in his son. But now the Abd is understanding what the Lord is saying about him as well. 
or the son is understanding what the father has seen within him as well. My Lord, you have seen my effort and soft-heartedness such that in the nights, having cleaned off that feces, having cleaned off that, that goat's intestines that they would throw upon me, I'm still in sajda to you, thanking you for this opportunity to represent you, my Lord, to these people. Don't take that tawfiq away from me. Because tomorrow, I will go again and I will sit with Abu Jahl in order to bring him towards Islam. Now there's another verse to be able to appreciate this. And this verse is from chapter number 9, Surah Tawbah, verse 128. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says again another verse to be able to describe the character of the Prophet and the way in which he interacted with people at his time. He says the following, Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. Laqad ja'akum rasulum min anfusikum azizun alayhi ma anittum harisun alaykum bil mu'minina raufun rahim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the following. Certainly, there has come to you a messenger from amongst yourselves. He's one of you. He knows what happens to you in life. He experiences what you experience when you hurt, when you're in poverty, when you're happy. The Prophet experiences all of these things. مثلكم, I'm a human being like yourselves. The Quran says, He walks in the marketplaces like you and He eats like you. The Prophet is from amongst your own selves. But the difference is as following Azizun alayhi. It is grievous to him that you suffer. When you go through pain, the Prophet feels the same pain that you go through. When you hurt, when you're distanced, when something happens to you, it's not only happening to you, it's happening to the Prophet as well. He understands what you're going through and he suffers like you suffer, he lives like you live. Now, a parent. Isn't a parent the very same way? Which parent sees their child suffering? but doesn't suffer every iota of what their child is suffering. Whatever it is, health, wealth, abuse, loneliness, every possible issue that could be experienced for the human being. Doesn't the parent suffer the very same thing the child is suffering? Maybe even in the mother's sense, even, even more than what that person is suffering? How soft-hearted that person is? The Prophet, we are told here, Azizun alayhi. You'll remember in Da'a Nudba, which we will have recited just now on Thursday morning and uh, 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 Thursday night and Friday mornings, even in Da'a Nudba, we say the very same thing. Azizun alayya. It is overwhelmingly painful for us that we have to see everyone else, but we don't get to see you, O Mahdi. Salawatullah wasalamu alayhi. The pain is overwhelming for us. 
This is the prophet. And it's not just me saying it. I can say I miss the awaited savior. It doesn't make it true. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the prophet is aching internally for what happens to his community, he is truly feeling every pain and suffering. And you'll remember what happened to the earliest of companions, Bilal al-Habashi. Not only did they put a black rock on his chest and make him lie under the burning sun. You know what they used to do? Umayyah ibn Khalaf, his owner, owner, wrapped a rope around his neck, dragged Bilal al-Habashi in the streets of Mecca, called upon the children of Mecca and said, take stones and hurl them at Bilal al-Habashi whilst he's on all fours. The Prophet said, Azizun alayya. It is overburdening to me. It is so painful for me. I have to suffer what you're having to suffer. Bilal al-Habashi, you know what they did to him? At night, they placed him in the pen of the sheep and they made him sleep and eat with the sheep. And the only time Bilal was allowed out was so that they could drag him in the streets again or put another stone on his chest to make him suffer the torture. The Prophet suffered whatever Bilal suffered. Imam today suffers whatever you and I are suffering. From Yemen to Syria to Palestine to Nigeria to the streets of London when you and I have our own tackles, issues to tackle here today. The verse continues, Azizun alayhi ma'anittum harisun. Grievous to him, the Prophet, is what you suffer. Alaykum bil mu'mineen ra'ufun rahim. And to the mu'mineen, surely he is kind and merciful. Now, here, the reason why I tell you this, and I started with the comments about Salman, minna ahlil bayt. Inna zurarata, surely zurara, min awtadil arth wa a'lam al-deen. Because the reason as to why they were given such titles by Ahlul Bayt was because they became Prophet-like in their own selves. The characteristics of the Prophet flowed through them. And this is why they were elevated and eternalized to such stations. Of course, to clarify, when I say Prophet-like, I don't mean they received revelation. You know that. I mean Prophet-like in their character. The sixth Imam السلام, says, Adopt for yourselves the akhlaq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They didn't become godlike like God, they became godlike like character, <coughs> ethics. We are facing great challenges. The reason why Islam spread so well early on was because those great companions became prophet like. The Prophet's characteristics were flowing through them. And our discussions, inshallah, over these next two, two and a half years will be like this. We want to start with the Qur'an. We want to start with the Prophet to understand what he was like. We understand his mission, the way in which he involved himself, articulated his movement at different phases of his prophethood. So that that becomes our grounding to go back to at all times. We mold ourselves in accordance with that. Inshallah, I ask you for this week, homework, because I like to set homework from my discussions. Reflect in your own time on just these two verses. Ten minutes every day, 
when you're walking, when you're sitting on your own, before you go to sleep, pull out these two verses and just reread them and think about what it meant for the Prophet. And think about what it means for you and I in our own time with our own challenges that we have in the world today. The first verse was what? Chapter number 18, Surah Al-Kahf, verse number? Ahsantum, six. And the second one was Surah Tawbah, chapter number nine, verse number? 128. Ahsant, 128. Please, in your own time, have a look at these two verses. And next week, we will have a look at two more verses about the ways in which the prophets were spoken about in their personality. Inshallah, this will be our methodology. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Wal Asr. Inna al Insan al Fi Khusr. Illa al Ladina Amanu wa Amil al Salihati wa Tawasu bil Haqi wa Tawasu bil Sabr. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وبه نستعين ثم الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين أما بعد awaited savior of humanity Imam al-Mahdi alayhi salam my respected teachers elders brothers and sisters salamu alaykum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh last week if you recall in our second khutbah we mentioned two points and it appears that we must speak about them again. Last week we spoke about the tragedy that was unfolding in Hudaydah in Yemen. We mentioned that according to government statistics and uh, aid uh, agency statistics, 128,000 people have fled Hudaydah in Yemen by virtue of the terrible bombings and atrocities that have taken place. I'm sure you have all seen in the last 24 hours the crippling grievous pictures that have taken place where another set criminal acts done by Ala Saud, the bombs and the weapons of which has been given to them by this country and by the United States of America has allowed them to commit another massacre upon human beings. A bus, a school bus driving through a marketplace taking them from lessons was bombed by Ala Saud. And I'm sure many of you have seen the pictures of what has occurred. This is a crime that cannot be left by you and I. We cannot fathom what these people are going through. But now to add this type of insult to injury, to be able to massacre at will almost 50 students in a school bus is beyond anything that could have been imagined. Yesterday, the US um, foreign aid secretary was given an interview or asked by the um, uh, media what her thoughts were and she said the following two things number one that they call on Ala Saud Saudi Arabia to be able to do an investigation she refused an independent investigation and number two she also stated we call on both sides to be able to ensure that they limit civilian casualties really you call on both sides to limit civilian casualties this is the reality of what we are facing and we have to be able to speak up 
and let people know of what is taking place. For indeed, just as the Holy Prophet of Islam was aching at what happened to the believers, the awaited Savior this morning is aching in his heart, devastated, a broken human being. It may be a day of joy for you and I as being Jum'a Mubarakah, but can you imagine what the awaited Savior is going through when he has to see this morning what took place Yemen in Palestine and in uh, what took place yesterday in Palestine and in Yemen. The second thing we mentioned last week was that Boris Johnson had met up with Steve Bannon. And we said to you that three members of the mainstream conservative party had met up with Steve Bannon or spoken to Steve Bannon. And that this was a worrying sign. Since then, as you all know, uh, Boris has made his comments about our sisters who choose to wear the niqab or a full gown. These comments are, of course, obviously horrid, racist. He has identified a group of people and has allowed a group of people to be dehumanized. This is unacceptable. And we join with the Muslim Council of Britain in calling for an independent investigation as to Islamophobia that runs in the Tory party. I want to mention to you one last point for you and I to think about where this is going. Because we have to be astute as Muslims to understand what happens next. This is about a leadership bid. No one can bid for the leadership at the moment because Brexit is a poisoned chalice. No matter what happens, it's going to go badly. So after our current prime minister finishes, then there will be a leadership challenge. And you all can imagine different people going for the leadership challenge. What happens is, if one front runner lurches towards the far right and seeks to bring the far right back into the conservative party, it could go in two ways. One group of leaders may be better in their rhetoric, or worse, all the leadership may try to go in anti-Muslim rhetoric in order to bring the far right back towards the conservative party. This starts a war of words in order to go in this direction. This means that we have to ensure that we are looking after our sisters who are targets on the street by virtue of their dress. We have to ensure that we are speaking to police, local council, and going out to non-Muslims around the world and explaining the beauty of Islam and becoming the prophet ourselves so that we represent Islam in the right way to be able to call people toward Islam hakiki, the reality of Islam, as is our responsibility in this day and age, inshaAllah.